let, let me speak to everyone and uh, just, you know, for a while and, um, and I'll help you understand what God's doing worldwide. And of course, this is the fruit of what God's doing worldwide is, you know, he's moving by the power of his spirit. And, and, and of course, young people are coming to the end of themselves way earlier than, than I did in my mid-20s. And uh, by the time I'd lived a bunch of life, I was mid-twenties and I'd had enough of this old life. And, and then I came to Jesus. Well, that's happening at such a younger level for kids. And young kids are coming to the end of themselves by the age of 10, 11, 12. And so we have this huge, uh, massive movement of young people coming into the church. It's phenomenal. And, uh, and of course, they're getting serious for God. They're going to Bible college. Got, they're studying themselves approved. And, uh, and they're helping building the church, really. And uh, it's phenomenal. They're in the worship team. They're taking up the offering. They're serving in the, in the, can, in the, in the canteen, in the cafe, I should say. And, uh, and uh, get it right. And, um, and, 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 and look, this is, this is awesome. But look, for what happened for Julie, and I, I want to explain something again of what revival means and last weekend we had a revival ministry of Jeremy and Miranda Nelson and what happens in that time is that the atmosphere becomes enlightened with God and his you know and you just know something's happening and and some people have never seen such anointed preaching and some people have never felt the atmosphere so alive with God that all happens in the in the anointing and in the glory of God and it's a powerful thing and so there's usually in that time, if you, if you appropriate that, there's a de- demarcation line, meaning you're in or you're out. Uh, uh, do you want this or don't you? Some people run from it. Some people embrace it. Some people, um, they just love it. Last Sunday night, people were just spellbound by the presence of God. And I'm looking from here as the man of God was ministering up and down the, the, the lines of the people. And I could see the people were just dumbstruck, awestruck by the God, and they're just captivated by God. Who knows that you, something significant must be happening for a, a, a crowd of people to be absolutely captivated by God? Who knows that that must be God? And it's got to be the power of God. And here's the sermon. It's called Why Revival? And, and this scripture of 1 Timothy 3, 5 says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And it's really about, it comes on the tail end of a scripture that says, in the last days, uh, it's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves, mockers and disobedient to their children. There'll be lawlessness. And and then in the end, it says, there'll even be people who are so-called believers in God, Christians, if you will, having a form of godliness, having an outward expression, having a confession on their mouth that Jesus is Lord, having a behavior, they even come to church, but they deny the power of the word of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit to be alive and well and to do a good work in the interior of their life. And you know, and I know that all of us probably had an encounter that was deep down in our life, in our heart. Amen. And so this scripture is really about the apostate church, meaning that it's really about the church that is falling away from God, falling away from God, and they are now denying the power that was released 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary, the blood that was shed, the Lamb's blood that was shed that can cancel your sin, cancel every 
ugly thing in your life, every curse, every they, they, they fail to realize that that is still speaking. It actually says that in Hebrews, that this blood still cries out. It still cries out. And then, of course, that the Holy Spirit is alive and well. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is for you to partake and to live with and to abide in. And in that, there's a process of sanctification. That whereby you can be healed, purified, that your heart can be cleansed, that your eyes can be opened. Then you begin to see God. As it says in Matthew chapter 5, those with a pure heart will see God. I love that. Those with a pure heart shall see God. And that's why it's a good thing to subscribe to holiness. And I want to touch on that. But again, we're talking about this having a form of godliness but denying its power. Now, when the anointed man of God, the ministry of Jeremy Nelson comes along, the revivalists come along, you know God is powerful, don't you? And you know the atmosphere was so alive with God, it was so pregnant with promises and blessings and breakthrough that man you know it was awesome and who got blessed by it who got blessed by it and it's true and it's happened to julie and i and my family numerous times because we sat under revival ministries for a long time in the 90s this power 1 corinthians 420 and you can shoot these scriptures up if you can but i'll just just rattle gun them at you i'll just fire them at you 1 corinthians 420 says for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. So it's not a matter of just waxing lyrical about scriptures. And it's not about just talk. There's got to be power in the, in the substance of our words, in the preaching. There's got to be power that, that is released through our lives. Otherwise, it falls short of blessing anyone. Who knows that? So... Listen up, you young preachers. You've got to have power in your words. You've got to have power in your heart. You've got to have power in your life to make a difference. So it says here again, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the, say it, power of God for salvation. Love that. Romans 4.21, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised romans 15 13 says may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with the hope by the here it is again power of the holy spirit romans 5 19 says by the power of his one for jeremy's ministry jeremy nelson <laughs> romans 15 19 by the power of signs and miracles through the power of the spirit and it goes on that the gospel was proclaimed. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of spirit power, which our church was birthed in and it used to have and currently still does, power that it may show God that God is alive and that God is a God of power. Now, let me hark back to this, that the Pentecostal church was, well, the Spirit-filled church was birth 2,000 years ago in the upper room and they came out empowered by God but then things went awry the dark ages and a bunch of religion and some other denominations won't mention who they are built their ministries on good works and all, all, all the um, sacraments of the faith and and then then ha what happened in the 1900s this P Parnham guy Parham guy he he loosed this revelation of the Holy Spirit in this Bible college 
and all the Bible college students got filled of God and baptized in God. And all of a sudden, man, this is what it's about. And then, of course, that broke out into the Azusa Street in Los Angeles, 1904, and the Welsh Revival at the same time. And they become notable events in our history of the church. And then from there, it went out, the Holy Spirit, and it went out of a movement of God's Spirit moving through what we call now the Pentecostal Church which was notably known for speaking in tongues, gifts of the Spirit, manifestations of the Spirit, and, uh, and a church that was empowered by God to witness, to speak, to preach. And then there's a book that came out on that, and it talked about pardon, that we're pardoned by the blood of Christ, that we, you know everything's been done at the cross, you are totally pardoned for all your sins. And then the next one, purity. The purity was the sanctification of the Holy Spirit that you can have, you can be cleaned up, you can be absolutely set free by the sanctification and you can be pure. The pure in heart will see God. It depends what you want, how far you want in. Some people just get saved and that's it for me. Thank you very much. But trust me, you can have so much more. And then the third one was power. Say that word again. Power. And there's a holy wedlock in that. Pardon, purity, and power. And it's like that from the New Testament all the way to now. Anyone, if you subscribe to those three areas, pardon, justified in Christ, that you have been, man, that you were set free from all the, the baggage of your past and all the sins and all, the, all that crazy stuff. And, and now you can stand in any given day if you appropriate the blood of Christ the church was birthed in power. That's the point I was trying to make. Then there's a scripture in Psalm 24, verse 3, who may send the hill of the Lord. And uh, it says, Psalm 24, verse 3, who may send the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Jesus' hands were, were bloodied. So our hands, hands in the sense of the Old Testament, you weren't supposed to touch unclean things, dead bodies and even, and, and, and you weren't touched. You weren't, and then clean hands, you're able to come to the house of God and worship God. Well, in this sense now, it's Jesus' hands were bloodied on the cross. His hands became dirty so your hands could be clean so you can ascend the hill and you can live this extraordinary life. Do you understand that? I love this, but I've got to continue on. Psalm 24, verse 5. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him. I really sense, Jules, that this is a generation who will seek him, who seek his face. And so this early breakout of the early 1900s was all about a deep yearning for personal holiness. And it was birthed in holiness, the Pentecostal church. And it drove thousands of seekers to this second blessing, which is called the, 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 the Holy Spirit blessing, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which means totally imbued with the Holy Ghost, meaning that the scriptures say that you are a vessel. Imagine yourself as a cup. A vessel, a bottle, if you will. A vessel, but you can be filled with the world or you can be filled with God. Who wants God? Or who wants more DVDs, more this, more that, more depravity, more corruption, more bad stuff? Or you can be filled in God by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God. Who wants to be filled of God? Put up your hands right now. Or who could do with a couple of more DVDs and some sin and stuff and... Yeah. No, no, you want to be filled with God. 
And the more you get filled, you're going to get to a point where you are baptized in the Holy Ghost. I love that. So that is a little bit of history about the movement that we're in. It's now, we, we like to call it the Spirit-filled church now. The Spirit-filled church. Um, Matthew 5, um, 8 and it says, if you're wondering where that scripture was, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, there is a cry for freedom in our heart. There is a cry in the church for freedom to step out of this pardon, absolutely forgiven by Christ 2,000 years ago. It's all been done. It is finished. But we just got to appropriate that and stand in this magnificent salvation. But then we got to walk out this life being sanctified on a progressive journey, going up the mountain. Who may ascend the hill? Who may get closer to God? Those with clean hands. If you want to get closer to God, you've got to take your sin to Jesus. He's going to forgive it straight up, bang. And then the Holy Ghost is to continue to cleanse you, to sanctify you. Say sanctification. And that's the journey that we should be on by reading our Bible, coming to church, living in the presence of God. We should be on a journey into God's kingdom and in that we become totally absolutely uh, we become ablaze for God it's a foregone conclusion the closer you get to God the more ablaze you're going to get for him so this scripture in 1 Peter 1 13 I'm being very deliberate about getting some scriptures in because I didn't get a chance to do that this morning therefore prepare your minds so this is a good scripture for the last days people and we're we are those people living in the last days when the world's going south we need to go north true north in god in jesus amen when all everyone's going downstream so be careful you know who you're listening to be careful who you're hanging with you need to turn yourself and say sorry i'm going to the house of the lord i'm going up the mountain of the lord i'm going to seek the face of the lord I'm going to answer my calling, my high calling in God. As you do that, you're going to need help. I'm going to help you with that. Here it is. 1 Peter 1.13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace. Great series on grace. Four or five weeks of it. We just preached it. To be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. He has been revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Mm, Here's a clue to what I'm going to be talking about in a moment. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Holiness is not a legalistic thing. It's not an outward expression of being a goody two-shoes. Because you can do that, but you can be ugly on the inside and disobedient on the inside. It's really about your heart. Who can say amen to that? It's about God's agenda for you to be holy. It's not about your own personal agenda. It is about God's agenda. What does holy mean? These words, uh, holy, holiness, saint, sanctify, consecrate in the Bible, they usually translate through the Greek and through the Hebrew as a division, a separation, a being set apart, whether it's a person or place or thing, whatever. You read in the scriptures um, that this ground is holy because God's just about to show his name to Moses. This ground is holy. It's going to be holy now because I've got a purpose for that ground. And on that ground, in this place, I'm going to show my name. This place here, Jerusalem, is holy because I have a purpose in that place to commune with my people in Jerusalem. 
these artifacts, the furnishings of the temple, are holy because they will be used to worship me and to praise me. And you are holy because I'm going to use you to be blessed, to be a blessing. And you can see this in numerous scriptures. Psalm 93, 99 verse 3, let them praise you great God, an awesome name. He is holy. And there's other scriptures there I could back up, but for the sake of time, we'll shoot to Leviticus 27. And it actually says, in these encounters, like the burning bush encounter, we see that God is wanting, when these people encountered, like when we encountered God last week, He's incomparable, wonderful, majestic, purified, wonderful self. When we, in, when we encounter that, we go, oh my God, He is holy. Holiness means that he's not like my friend. He's not like whatever. He is holy. He is infinite, majestic, wonderful, glorious, powerful. He is holy. You getting this? And when you encounter that through the revival ministry, you go, oh my God. Now, if you allow yourself to encounter God in that powerful way, These scriptures in the Old Testament and the New Testament tell us this. Leviticus 20 verse 7, consecrate yourself and be holy. He's saying this, consecrate yourself and be holy because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees, means follow the word of God and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. In Exodus talks about the keeping of the Sabbath. Say to the Israelites in Exodus 31 verse 13, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbath. This will be a sign between me and for the generations to come. So you may know that I am the Lord, man, who makes you holy. In the New Testament, it says it like this, in bringing many sons to glory. Now, sons, it's daughters too, all right? So when I say sons, it's daughters too. He is bringing many sons to glory in this day and age. Many sons and daughters. And it says here, Hebrews 2.10, In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through his suffering. Easter's coming up. 11. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy. There's something about God when he shows himself through a revival that he is holy, that he is glorious, that he's actually saying, I want you to be holy. I want you, what's holy again? I want you to be separated from the world. I want you to be separated from that, that sin. I want you to be separated from the common. I want you to be separated from the corruptness. I want you to be separated from the ordinary. I want you to be separated from the perverse. I want you to be separated because I am holy. C3 Church. God is holy. And we had a holy moment last week where God showed himself holy and still is. Of course, we could look at Isaiah, Isaiah 6.1, and I don't think a lot of people here probably have heard even the story of it, but I might even quote it in the year, and this is a most dramatic setting. I don't know if anyone here has had this dramatic encounter with God, but this young man did in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord seated on the throne high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were Zarephiths, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Verse 4, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook. Was, was our 
did anyone notice our doorposts shaking by any chance? Uh, we'll get there. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. <laughs> Woe to me now. <laughs> oh my God. Woe to me, Isaiah says. Woe to me. I cried. I'm sure I seen that last Sunday. Man, I'm seeing some big He-Man guys standing. I don't know how they got in the house, but they're visitors and they're coming and they go, whoa is me i'm undone man whoa and they were just standing there waiting to be receiving ministry of jeremy i just could see them standing and go wow okay okay god is alive god is powerful god is glorious wow i'm undone man and they're standing there i'm seeing the whole place like that spellbound by god did anyone see that i'm seeing people leaning up against the, the walls going i'm i'm done man i'm tilted I mean, we used to have pinball, pinball machines and they would get tilted. Like I'm seeing people just tilted like that, just go, I'm done, I'm undone. I'm seeing people just stand there like they're just absolutely... Did you see anyone like that? Was that you? Was that you a little bit like? Yeah, I'm seeing people out under the anointing just go, I am undone. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips. Now he's encountering this holy God. He realizes, oh my God, look at me. I'm, 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 I'm unclean. And I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the Zarephists flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is being taken away and your sin atoned for. And I love this verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Can you hear that in the SG, Marty? Is that what, is that what SG's been asked every Friday, I, I hope, by the Lord? Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. That's what Marty did. Here I am. Send me. <laughs> every one of these guys on the front. Send me. Andrew Flagsworth. Send me, man. I'll, I'll give it a go. Look, look, uh, Eagle, man, send me. I'll, I'll go to Bible. He's done a bunch of Bible college. Where is he? What happened? He was there. He's wrapped. Oh, he's got, he's that whiz-bang. He's taking it for a spin. He's changing pooey nappies. He's changing pooey okay. He's still anointed, even though he does that. Now, listen, listen, okay. My time is nearly done. You may not have had such a dramatic encounter with God even last week, but as Isaiah's story like this, shaking and smoke. And, but I'm telling you, when you got saved, it was dramatic in the sense that the salvation that you received, <laughs> everything that you need for your healing, for your deliverance, for your ministry, for your best life, has been done at the cross through the blood. And if you would appropriate that in every day, man, you would come up roses. You would be able to live the life that God has for you. You got to every day remind yourself. M maybe you didn't have a dramatic encounter like Pastor Julie or someone else. But listen, I'm telling you, if you realize it was very dramatic 2,000 years ago on the hill of Golgotha when Christ paid a, a price for everything that is going to come against you, and has come against you and that you have ever done and we call that forgiveness you've been forgiven my friend 
And if you only could appropriate that in every day, in your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your Thursday, your Friday, and say, Jesus, thank you that you've forgiven me. Thank you that I'm washed clean. Thank you, Lord God, that every sin has been paid for. Thank you by your stripes I'm healed. Thank you, Lord, that you're a provider. Thank you, Lord God. If you do that in every day and then appropriate the grace of God, in every day you live, you know what? You are going to be that history maker that Marty was talking about. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Here's some things that God did for you in your salvation. The Bible declares that you've been separated from darkness. Acts 26 verse 18. We're set apart from worldly plans. Romans 3, 6 and verse 19. From the power of sin and death. All this happened because of Christ and what Easter represents to us. And then as we realize we're set apart from God, we can pray this prayer. Matthew 6, 9 says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, hallowed be your name now what does that mean hallowed hallowed means this glorious may be your name in my obedience to you in my sacrifice to you in my life that is led for you my life that is in you i say hallowed be your name may your name be glorified through my life through my church do you like that our father who art in heaven, say this, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed. Now, when you say hallowed, you are saying to God, may your name be glorified through my life. Let's all stand. God bless you. Oh, dear God, someone's getting this tonight. Someone's getting this tonight. Now, when you get that understanding, then you start to believe in the Great Commission the message of the good news to share, then you understand that you've got the grace and the love to spread around through the fruits of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience. Paul talks to the Corinthians as set aside for a divine purpose. In the message of revival is the challenge to the call of sanctification, a call to holiness. And God invites us to join in the process of sanctification. That is living out what He already has done in Christ for us.